Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot. Hello, this is Elizabeth Talbot, and thank you so much for joining us for our ongoing series on Women of the Bible. Well, the truth is, women have a lot to say in the Bible, and sometimes more than we imagine, and especially those women that are desperate, like the one that we're going to talk about today. We are doing this week a whole series on struggling women, five women that were struggling and that we know their names. Not like last week that we did nameless women who we don't even know their names. We just know their sickness or the problem that they have. Uh, This week, we're going through women that we know their names, but we also know their struggles, and their struggles look so much like our struggles. For example, uh, this woman who was desperate and had to run away. Uh, You know, I I have a degree in psychology, and and I have um, helped some people that are in extreme crisis or or problems at home, and you won't believe how many people... um, don't know how to run away from a situation that they should run away. And others that instead of confronting the situation, they want to run away. So, you know, we have all kinds of problems of domestic violence or sometimes problems of people being oppressed in other ways or being abused verbally. And perhaps they say, well, because it's not physical abuse, they don't have to do anything about it because it's verbal abuse. So some of these things that we're going to talk about today from the Bible are actually things that are happening uh, today, in this age, they're not ancient things. You know, it's like when you talk about the old days, sometimes you realize that they're not that old because we're repeating the whole thing all over again. And and we are talking today about a woman who I have called a desperate woman because you have to really be desperate to do certain things. And this woman was desperate and ran away from home. And um, she was despised and she was oppressed. And the whole story happens to be related to a man, Abraham, who is known as the father of the faith. We all talk about Abraham as the one who, for the first time ever, came to believe God and it was accounted for to him as righteousness. You can read this in Genesis 15, verse 6, uh, which is a big verse on righteousness by faith. For those of you that are into theology, this is the first Uh, verse that we ever have that somebody believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and uh, is when God is telling him that he's going to have children and of course um, he doesn't have any children at that moment so God says look at the stars look at the heavens and and so shall your descendants be and verse 6 says then he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him as righteousness well many of us believe and believe and believe until it starts getting old and you're going, well, what about all the promises God made me? What's happening with that? And so Sarah, whose name was Sarai at that time in Genesis 16, was Abram's wife. They th- Their names had not changed yet. You know that the name changing was a big deal in the Bible because it meant a new status, a new, um, a new understanding of God or, or a new understanding of purpose in life. Abram and Sarai were together, were childless. And I'm going to read chapter 16 of Genesis, verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Now, you know, when we want to help God achieve (laughs) 
what he said he wanted to achieve. Well, I can relate with that so much because I'm one of those people that that has wanted to help God all my life until I think I ran out of plans and I kind of submitted to God and said, okay, fine. I obviously don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to follow your plans. But but Sarai, I understand. She wants children. And at that time, if a woman didn't have children, she didn't have an identity. And, and Abraham, even though Sarai, we know she was be- very beautiful, that was not enough to give her a self-worth as a woman. And so she had an Egyptian maid, because you remember that um, he had been to Egypt, and um, e- Egyptians ma- uh, the Egyptian maid is one of those people that they brought along. Her name was Hagar. But Sarah has an idea. Verse 2, Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Doesn't call her Hagar. Doesn't call her by name because this woman is property in this household. As a matter of fact, she's property of Abraham and Sarai. Is, uh, and this, the immediate supervisor, if we want to say it, is Sarai, right? Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai, which he shouldn't have done because God had already said that it would come from uh, his wife. Well, at that time... People that were oppressed and were slaves didn't really have a choice. So the verbs that follow are very interesting because they are they show that 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 Sarai is actually in control. After Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, verse three of chapter sixteen of Genesis, Abraham's wife Sarai took Hagar. Look at the verb. He she took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband to her husband Abraham as his wife. So look at those verbs. Taken and given. She has no choice in it. She has no say so. She's a slave and she's property. So she doesn't really get a, you know, they don't call her and say, hey, what do you think? Should you do this or not? She doesn't have a choice. So she's taken and given to Abraham. And what is very interesting is at the end of this verse three, we are told that as his wife. So it's not that simply is given to her as like, okay, have children with her. No, all of a sudden her status is going to change. Even though she continues to be um, the maid of Sarai, now she becomes Abram's wife. So things start to change from here on. She has an elevated status, but something is going to change also in Sarai's heart. Let's read it. Verse 5. Uh, actually, let's start on verse 4. He went into Hagar, uh, Abraham that is, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So here, Hagar gets a little proud. Hey, my mistress cannot have children and I am having Abraham's children. So obviously, hey, I'm a little more than I was before. It's obvious to everybody. It's obvious to Abraham. It's obvious to Sarai. And it's obvious to Hagar. And verse 5 says, And Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, and when she saw that the, she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. I can almost imagine saying, Women, 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 what's wrong with you? You gave me the idea, and, and now I did what you said, and now you don't like it, and it's too late because she's pregnant. She conceived. Well, what happens is the whole dynamic has changed now, and there's this tension. Hagar has become proud. Sarai is blaming Abram. Abram has this false neutrality. It's like, what, what can I do? I mean, you can almost see him putting his hands up. It's like, didn't I do what you wanted? Well, the truth is the dynamic changes, and um, 
now Hagar has to do something because Sarai starts treating her harshly. You know, we all have this side of us that when dynamics change, I mean, you can read it in the books of psychology. Sometimes it it happens when people get back together for the holidays that everybody starts uh, behaving differently like it was when they were kids or or when the family was having problems. Because we all have a side in which we want to defend ourselves. And sometimes we don't know how to do it in a healthy way. And verse 6 says, But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. And Sarai treated her harshly, says the Bible, and she fled from her presence. How desperate do you have to be to say, Hey, I am, I am out of here. And this is what happened to Hagar. You know, and, and the roles are reversed. You will see later on in Exodus 1, verse 11, how the Israelites were oppressed by Egypt. Now here, the Egyptian is being oppressed by the house of Abraham, in this case, um, Sarai. So she has to leave. She, she goes out, but she's dying in the desert. And, and there's a divine revelation that happens to her. And I'm going to read it to you because this is the only woman in the whole Bible, and she's an Egyptian of all, of all things, that will get a particular promise that nobody else gets. So let me read to you verse 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, (laughs) the angel reminds her who she really is, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Obviously, he knows, but he wants uh, Hagar to confront the problem herself. And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. And this is the promise. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. This is a fantastic uh, promise because it's the only woman in the whole Bible that receives the promise of descendants uh, instead of a man. Usually the promise of descendants, like it was to Abraham and to other men in the Bible, was made to the male you know, because of the culture and many other things. This is a woman who is running away and the angel says, go back to your house and know this, that God is with you in spite of what you've seen. And in this case, I will greatly multiply your descendants and his promised descendants. Can you imagine what this meant for this woman who thought she was nobody, who had no worth, who had been a property of the house, and all of a sudden she is in God's sight and God promises the descendants to her? The angel said to her father, verse 11, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call him his name Ishmael, which means God hears because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Can you imagine what he meant to her? You know, when we counsel sometimes or we go to centers where women are abused, just the fact that somebody hears, just the fact that that somebody knows what's going on is is, is half of the healing. In this case, even the name that the angel says to her to, to name her child, it says, look, I know you're the maid, But let me tell you, God hears. And I could tell you, I know you've been in trouble. I mean, I don't know your particular case, but God knows. And God says, hey, I heard you. I know every tear you have cried. I have counted them. I know every night what's happening. God hears you. So she went back. She went back. And but before she went back, she did something that no other woman does in the whole Bible. She named God. She gives God a name. 
And I'm going to read it to you, verse 13. I'm in Genesis 16, verse 13. I mean, this woman had a lot of nerve. Not only did she get, you know, a, a promise from God that nobody else gets, she decides this is such an epiphany. This is such a life-changing thing that God has heard her that she will name God and will give God a name. You know, in the Old Testament, God has many names, like, for example, um, Yahweh Suri, the Lord my rock, David calls him, and uh, Yahweh Rophe, the Lord our healer, we're told in, in Exodus. And here we have, she is naming God, verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord, Yahweh, who spoke to her, you are a God who sees. For she said, have I ever even remained alive here after seeing him? How is it that he sees me and, and I still remain alive? So she called him, and the Hebrew for the, the God who sees is El Roi, the God who sees. And so she went back and Hagar bore Abraham a son. And Abram called the name of his son, exactly what the angel has said, Ishmael, God hears. And at that time, Abram was 86 years old. I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe you are oppressed. Maybe somebody's treating you unfairly. Maybe you're just desperate and don't know what to do. The first message I have for you, if you're struggling with this, and we all do at some point, is God hears you. That's why Ishmael was called Ishmael. But he also sees you. That's why she called God the God who sees because God has ears and God has eyes and he knows what you need. And overall, I want to tell you, God hears you, God sees you, and God is with us. That's why we know the name Emmanuel, Jesus. I want to tell you, God will give you the strength, the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. God wants abundant life for you. Ask Him for wisdom. He will give it to you. He already gave you Jesus. He will give you everything else you need. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus101institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus101media. Until next time, live free. Woohoo!